On this episode of Fantasy NFL Today, we are back and I'm going to tell you why all you Jonathan Taylor managers should be concerned heading into your fantasy playoffs. I know it's scary, but it's a real thing. You're not going to want to miss it. I'm going to tell you who next year's Jonathan Taylor is going to be. We're going to talk about my sleeper hits, changes in Carolina, And I'm not letting you off this podcast without discussing how right I was about the New England Patriots and how savage, absolutely savage head coach Bill Belichick is. A lot to get through. You are not going to want to miss this fire episode and it all starts now. Welcome back to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by Sports Ethos. Today is Wednesday, December 8th. I am your host, Anthony Germain, and you can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word. Yes, you heard that correctly, Sports Ethos. A little bit of a rebrand here over at what was formerly known as Hoop Ball. We're going over to Sports Ethos as we continue to grow and expand all over the sports domain. So not just basketball. We now have a hockey branch, a baseball branch, I believe, and obviously football right here on Fantasy NFL Today. And speaking of fantasy football, let's get back into it. Let's kick it off and get into week 14 i cannot believe it is already week 14 of the nfl regular season the season always seems to fly by and here we are already towards the end there's only about five weeks left of this regular season which is a very important time for us here in the fantasy football community this should be your up and coming last regular season week in the fantasy football world. As we head into the playoffs the following week, week 15, 16, and then your championship should be week 17. Remember, we have the extra game this year going all the way up through 18 weeks of regular season NFL action so a very important time for all of us and if you have been following all season long especially early on in the summer here on fantasy nfl today i'm hoping that all of you have by now clinched your playoff spots or are making a final push to get a seed in the fantasy football playoffs I'm hoping that you should at least be within contention here, be within an arm's reach if you are not in, if you have not clinched yet. Because remember, if you make the dance, you have a chance. And that's all that really matters. I've told you this story before that I've once snuck into the playoffs as a sixth seed with an atrocious losing record and won the whole goddamn thing. I beat the fantasy manager who rode Todd Gurley in the Los Angeles Rams the year Todd Gurley went absolutely bonkers, rode his coattails before he went down with that gruesome knee injury against the Eagles, ended up playing him in the championship and taking him down. Again, I had a losing record and won the whole thing, so anything could happen once you are in. Fantasy football is just a crazy domain. It's a it's a wild ride. And just for a perfect example, in one league, I am currently sitting in first place with a perfect 13-0 record and I'm terrified that I'm going to lose, which I'll explain later why. 
But then I'm in another league where I had the first overall pick in this league, and I'm 3-10 and 10 sitting in dead last. Why? Because I succumbed to the pressure of selecting Christian McCaffrey with that first pick. And for all of you that have listened to this podcast over the summer, it's not that I hate it, Christian McCaffrey. I was just very wary of his overall usage paired with his overall size. I always pushed the idea that he was basically injury prone, but it's hard to pass on a running back that gets that much usage as long as he's healthy. So there I am. Pick number one, I take Christian McCaffrey and there goes my season because I basically played hero ball. With my next two picks, I think I went wide receiver. So dead, dead, dead. I think my running backs starting right now are like, it's it's so bad that I'm starting guys like Ty Johnson and Dontrell Hilliard. That's how bad it is. Those are my two stop starting running backs. And then I guess I'm flexing in another uh, wide receiver there at the flex. But I'm basically not even paying attention to that league as much anymore. I still like to start a, set, uh, a starting lineup because I'm not an asshole. Mind you, if you guys are out of the playoffs, at least start your lineups. You don't have to be active on the waiver or active in picking up free agents, but at least set a starting lineup. Don't screw the rest of the league. Do do the league a decency here. Be a good person. Set your lineups. So that's what I'm doing. So again, this is exactly why we, we preach the robust running back draft strategy in the beginning of the year. It is important to stack your team with these running backs, as many quality running backs as you can get early and often. If you do this Christian McCaffrey thing and then ignore it, you play the hero ball, finishing 3-10 and 10 and in last place in your league, like in my one league, is very possible. So this is why I always preach to not do it. Always, always, always stack your roster with quality running backs if you can. But like I said, on the other hand, in the other league that I'm undefeated, 13-0, and a perfect 13-0. and In first place, clinch the first round playoff, clinch the first round bye. I won't be playing until week 16 in this league, so I'm basically just preparing for those two weeks as we go forward. But again, I said I'm terrified I'm going to lose And I'm going to explain this later on. You're not going to want to miss why you think I'm going to lose or why I think I'm going to lose. And it involves my star running back, Jonathan Taylor. So on this episode, I wanted to dive into that. I wanted to dive into his unbelievable season that Jonathan Taylor is having. And I'm going to explain why all Jonathan Taylor managers should be slightly worried I'm also going to go into who I think next year's version of Jonathan Taylor will be. One of our sleepers that we discussed over the summer has awakened, and he's everything I thought he'd be. There are some changes in Carolina, and then we'll discuss the Kansas City Chiefs at the very end. But before we get into all that fun stuff, we have to talk about the New England Patriots. Guys. I know there are still five weeks left in the regular season, but I tried to tell all of you. I know I'm being annoying about this. If you follow me on Twitter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you listen to this podcast back in the summer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I might be borderline obnoxious here, but I talked all summer long about how these New England Patriots sitting as a plus 350 odds on favorite to win the AFC East were ridiculous odds. Absolutely ridiculous. They were predicted to finish third within this division behind the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. We talked about why 
I thought they were going to finish first. We talked about half of that defense returning from the previous year after opting out for COVID-related reasons in 2020. We talked about the massive free agency, all the players that they brought in during the offseason to boost this team. We talked about rookie quarterback Mac Jones and how he was potentially a perfect fit for the style of this Patriots offense coming over from that Alabama team, coming over from playing with Bill Belichick's best friend, Nick Saban. We talked about the winning pedigree of the New England Patriots over the years. The evil empire, two separate dynasties within 20 years, a winning culture, the gold standard, one bad season, a rebuilding season, and the odds makers place them as the third best in the AFC East? What? We talked about the Buffalo Bills magical 13 and 3 2020 season and how that most likely wasn't going to be sustainable all for the opposite reasons of why I liked the New England Patriots the Bills are a nice team they're a nice team but they're not a proven winning organization time over time like the New England Patriots we talked about how this Bills team should come back down to earth I had them finishing with a 10 and 7 record. And that looks like that might be the case now. Now, there's still five games to go. Five games left before this thing goes into the history books. But it's looking pretty good. If we look over the schedule for the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills, the games that they have left. New England has their bye week this week, so they'll have extra time to prepare for Indy. But the kicker here is that Indy is also on their bye, so both teams have extra time to prepare for each other. And this game's going to be massive for my future bet here because as an Eagles fan, you guys are all <clears throat> you guys all know that I'm an Eagles fan. Frank Reich used to be the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles the year the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and beat the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 52. So I don't know if Frank Reich you know, has the keys to Bill Belichick's defense, the card, whatever it is, it's making me a little nervous, but this game is going to be a big game for the Patriots. I think they're going to have to win to at least two of their last four games to win that division, to at least lock it up. After Indy, they play Buffalo one more time, this time in Foxborough. I'm sure the weather conditions will be somewhat normal than what we saw on Monday night, but then they'll wrap it up with Jacksonville and Miami. Keep in mind, Miami already beat the Patriots in week one, so you know for a fact they're going to go after Miami hard. But those last two games between Jacksonville and Miami should be a layup. That's two wins right there, and then I need them to win at least one against Buffalo or one against the Indianapolis Colts. But if we look at Buffalo's schedule, they still have at least two teams with winning records to get through. They play the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend in Tampa. Definitely not an easy matchup at all. Then they'll play the Carolina Panthers, which they should get an easy win there. Again, they'll have to go to New England and play them in Foxborough. And then their last two games of the year should also be a layup against the Atlanta Falcons and the division rival New York Jets. But I truly believe that if Buffalo loses this weekend in Tampa Bay, it's a wrap. It's a wrap 
over. I think New England easily locks this up. And don't give me Miami. Miami, it's been a nice run. I understand they won, what, five straight here now or whatever the case may be. But I got to tell you, too little, too late. Miami's done. They're on a bye week here. They got the Jets, the Saints, and then the last two for them are tough when they have to play the Titans and the Patriots. I just don't see it happening. Maybe next year, too. It looks like he's finally coming into himself a little bit more. Maybe the injury took a little you know, longer to heal. But for now, this season here in 2021, Miami is cooked. And before we move on here, I have to talk about this Monday night football game between the Patriots and the Bills because... Yes, it was very big towards my future. If Buffalo had won that game, Buffalo would be sitting up here in first place, and then New England would be down in the wild card spot. But obviously, the Patriots come through, and we have to I have to just talk about this game real quick and how savage, absolutely savage head coach Bill Belichick is. I, I this, I'm still not over the fact that he I don't if I'm sure everybody has uh, seen this by now. The Navy face mask, the the Navy football team face mask. Basically what happened was Bill Belichick came out for a pregame interview with one of the reporters from uh, ESPN Monday Night Football, did an interview, and like everybody else during these interviews, they're basically required to wear face masks, except Bill Belichick came out with a Navy face mask. The football team with the with the golden and the star navy on his on his face mask, and I just remember I I mean I watched this whole interview just because it was on right before kickoff and whatever, and I just remember thinking well, that's an odd choice. But then I remembered that the Army Navy game is this weekend, so you know what maybe he's a Navy guy. Good for him, right? But nothing more than that. And why should I have thought any more into that face mask? I just remember thinking it was weird. It was definitely weird. I still think it's weird. But that was, you know, what are you going to do? He's a weird guy. But this was the most insane thing. And I'm not, I'm not putting this lightly. This was the most insane thing I have seen in a long time. Anyone that watches college football knows that the teams like Army and Navy, etc. They are notorious for playing football in one style and one style only. They run the ball basically 98% of the time and only pass about 2% of the time. Six offensive linemen up front, triple option game plan the entire game. It's kind of maddening to watch. You know, they just run every single time. They never, ever throw the ball unless they absolutely have to. I mean, they'll run the ball on third and 16. Like they just run, run, run. There's no other option for them. That's the way it is. I mean, there is death, taxes, and the Navy's rushing attack. All pretty much guaranteed here in this lifetime. Well, Bill Belichick, the madman that he is, and he is a madman, and it seems like every time he scripts up these crazy game plans or does something out of the freaking wild like this, it works. And it works every time. It's insane. And where I'm I'm going with this is we kept hearing reports all before the game on Monday, how bad the weather was. You know, the temperatures were below freezing with 25-mile-an-hour winds with gusts up to 50 miles an hour. A lot of wind kicking around. We saw the, the videos on Twitter, social media, the snow. It looks like a blizzard just blowing around in there. Windy, windy, windy. So what does the mad scientist Bill Belichick do on national television? 
Uh, how about run the ball 46 times? 46 times in an NFL game. Professional football gets 222 yards against that Buffalo Bills defense while only attempting to throw the ball three times with the rookie quarterback. What is going on? He wins the game. Wins the game playing a Navy football rushing attack in the NFL. I mean, he literally just took the playbook from Navy and threw it in Sean McDermott's face. And there was nothing they can do to stop it. I watched the Bills stack the box with 10 dudes and it didn't matter. He told the world he was doing it before the game with the face mask. He wore a Navy face mask and told the entire world the game plan. Just absolute savage. Absolute savage. Unreal and by far the coolest thing I've seen in a long time. Cocky, but awesome. I mean, you can see why people hate the Patriots, right? They do shit like this all the time. All the time. And if I didn't have a future wager on the Patriots to win that first place in the AFC East, I... I <laughs> I'd probably think it was the cockiest move ever too. So, but because I'm on, I'm team Patriot this year, I'm basically a Patriots fan now. I don't know if you guys know, um, because I'm team Patriots. I thought it was the, the most awesome, coolest thing I've ever seen in football. But anyway, let's get on to more of the fantasy stuff. And I'm about to reveal why, why I think if you are a Jonathan Taylor manager, if you have Jonathan Taylor on your fantasy rosters and you're already in the playoffs don't kick your feet up just yet there is a little reason to worry little reason to worry here i'm not saying it's the end all be all something to keep in mind and you're never going to bench jonathan taylor keep that in mind as well don't bench jonathan taylor it's just like on the ad starts on this podcast there are certain guys you just don't bench because they're studs. You always play your studs. I'm going to play it, but I'm just worried. And here's why. Who did I mention? Not just too long ago here on this pod. Who are the Colts playing immediately after their bye week in week 15? The New England Patriots. And what do the Patriots do best against offenses? You see where I'm saying? You see where I'm going here with this? The Patriots tend to always take out their opponent's best weapon and take them out effectively. If the Patriots effectively take Jonathan Taylor out of the game plan, essentially put the blueprint out there of how to shut down this Colts rushing attack and essentially Jonathan Taylor, will the following teams... As we go deeper and deeper into the playoffs, the fantasy playoffs, that is, will the following teams take that blueprint and shut down JT? It's scary. I know. I know it's scary, but it's true. You know it's true. And this is why, again, I hope you have all stacked your rosters with quality running backs or have done your best to continue to stash running backs as you go through the season. You can never have too many running backs on your bench. And again, we're not going to sit Jonathan Taylor. But after that New England game, he gets the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. 
and that if you make it to your championship round in week 17, he'll face off against the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, both of those defenses aren't exactly the best in the league, but they also aren't terrible by any means. They're pretty, you know, up there top 15 defenses. So basically, if New England does a great job at shutting down Jonathan Taylor, basically making him non-effective during this entire game, we might have something to worry about. But if Jonathan Taylor goes out and dominates against the the Patriots, still gets you, you know, in, in a standard half-point PPR league, 24 points. Even 15 points against the Patriots would be successful. You know, he had, what, 50-plus points against the Buffalo Bills, who were supposed to be a good run defense. So, you know, if he if he goes through New England with without skipping a beat, then, you know, forget I said anything. But I we know. We are, we're all big football fans here. We know what the Patriots do well. They always, 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 always take out your best weapon. And you know they're going to do it because they're going to force Carson Wentz and the lackluster receivers and don't oh no, Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman is a very inconsistent wide receiver. But they're going to take out Jonathan Taylor right out of that game plan. And they're going to force Carson Wentz to beat that Patriots secondary. You know they're going to do that. You know it. So this game is very important. Very, very important for all you Jonathan Taylor. If you have Jonathan Taylor on your fantasy team, you are probably a top three team right now. And all I'm saying is let's not get too comfortable. Let's keep a close eye on this game. I know you might have a bye week. I know this that that, that week right there, that might be your bye week. And you might not care, but you should still keep a close eye on it. I've had to make tough decisions like this in the past. One time I won a championship, um, the year Saquon Barkley was a rookie. I had Saquon Barkley on my team, and I believe he was a little banged up and going against a strong rushing defense, and I benched him in the championship game for a secondary running back who ended up outperforming Barkley, I think, by three times as many points that Barkley got. And everybody said it was a crazy idea. How can you bench Saquon Barkley after everything he did for you this whole season? You got to pay attention to things like this. Um, again, I'm not telling you that we're going to bench Jonathan Taylor down the stretch, but it should not be taken off the table completely. It depends who you have. It depends who you can sub him in with. It all really depends on your situation. And in that situation, I could have afforded to bench Saquon Barkley. I can't even remember. I mean, this was how long has Saquon been in the league for? for three or four years? This was, I mean, that long ago. I can't remember exactly who it was, but I did it and it paid off. So again, not the best idea, but don't take it off the table. Another thing I wanted to talk about today is the emergence of rookie running back Javante Williams up with the Denver Broncos. Another hit that if you've been following this podcast for a long time, you would have heard on the Denver Broncos episode where me and Joe Crisali had broken down the the, the uh, rushing attack in the back there because it was a split backfield between Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. You would have known that if you drafted Javante Williams, which I think going back here a couple of months, I think Javante Williams was a sixth round pick in uh, redraft leagues, 12 man redraft leagues. He was going around the sixth round pick and we had warned everybody that if you plan on taking Javante Williams that early as a sixth round pick, that you're not going to want to plug him in as your RB2 right off the bat because he is in that rotation with Melvin Gordon. We knew Melvin Gordon was still going to be a productive running back, 
but we thought as the season went on, as as it played out, the more and more carries that Javante Williams was given, the more opportunity he was given, that Javante Williams was really going to start to strut his stuff and show us what he really was all about. He finally got that chance this last weekend as the starting running back, as Melvin Gordon was injured and did not play in the game, and Javante Williams delivered and delivered with a thunderous clap. Oh my God, Javante Williams. He got the ball 23 times, and that's all I've been asking for this whole season. Give Javante Williams 20-plus carries. Let's see what what he's got. 23 times here against the Kansas City Chiefs, 102 yards, adding on six catches for an additional 76 receiving yards in the air there, and a touchdown, just absolutely crushing it for anybody that has stashed Javante Williams or who has taken our advice on Javante Williams, which was let somebody else let another fantasy manager in your league draft him early. And then when he doesn't perform to their standards, trade for him later on in the year, which is exactly what I did. I think I pulled off my trade for Javante Williams about three weeks ago now. And now I could not be happier. I know Melvin Gordon probably be back this next game here, but Javante Williams his ability to uh, force missed tackles, and that's something that really has always translated well from the college level to the pro level. Javante Williams, I think, led the college football rankings for running backs in force missed tackles, and that's all they keep talking about. <clears throat> you go on any social media page about Javante Williams, pro football focus, all that. It's all about his force missed tackles. And the guy's just killing it, man. He is. And I'm hoping that he's going to be a force down the stretch here because the last two weeks, uh, the last four weeks here, right? Week 14 against the Denver Broncos. I'm looking, I mean, the Denver Broncos here in week 14, they get the Detroit Lions. It's a phenomenal matchup. Cincinnati Bengals in week 15. Um, if you make it this far into week 16, they get the Las Vegas Raiders, which according to Yahoo, Yahoo are the sixth easiest against the run. And then the Los Angeles Chargers, who are even worse than the Raiders against the run for your championship week. So Javante Williams is a real league winner here if you have him or if you followed our advice and tried to trade for him because you didn't get him in the draft. This guy is what league winners are made of. So so I really just wanted to hit on that real quick. Another sleeper that is hitting late here. Another potential league winner. Jets wide receiver. Jets rookie wide receiver. Elijah Moore. He was my number one wide receiver sleeper on the year. I know he's not performing to the likes of Jamar Chase out in Cincinnati. But... You know, and the reason why I do my top 10 wide receiver sleepers and not my top 10 wide receivers is because we here on Fantasy NFL Today, we draft with the robust running back draft strategy. So we're looking to get our running backs early because the wide receiver position is deep. So what we do is we put together our top 10 list of our sleepers. Some of our other sleepers we hit on with Debo Samuel, who's absolutely crushing it. He missed last week and he's still ranked as the second best receiver in fantasy football in 2021. Mike Williams was on there. Devontae Smith, Brandon Cooks have all played out big parts at some point during the season. But I did have Elijah Moore as my number one sleeper this year. You know, he missed a lot of training camp with an injury. And then I think he got hurt within the first two or three weeks of football. So within the first five weeks, he was either dealing with an injury or did not get enough training in during camp. But after that bye week, after that Jets bye week in week six, 
Elijah Moore is the wide receiver I thought he was going to be, and he's been an absolute stud and, again, has potential to be a true league winner here down the stretch, guys. He's averaging eight targets a game, 75 yards per game, and has had six touchdowns since that bye. No wide receiver has had more receiving touchdowns since week nine. Elijah Moore, little compact Elijah Moore, and you guys know I don't like these short, speedy receivers usually. I don't. But this guy's different. He's built different. He comes down that Ole Miss pedigree. DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and now we have Elijah Moore, and he's paying out. He's paying off our dividends. Paying it off. I love it. Stick with me. I will get you there. We will take you to the finish line again. Debo Samuel, Mike Williams, Devontae Smith, Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore. We will get you there. Another story to keep a close eye on as we go forward, changes in Carolina. Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers fire offensive coordinator Joe Brady. This is a little shocking to me because I was really high on Joe Brady coming into the the NFL. For those of you that don't know, Joe Brady was the offensive coordinator for the LSU Tigers with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. When they just went on and shattered NCAA records, won the championship by beating Clemson. That was Joe Brady. That was apparently he was calling the offense because we know Coach Odron at the time is more of a defensive guy. So we had Joe Brady calling the offensive shots for that championship team. So it's shocking to see him be let go by Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. And I'm not a Matt Rule fan. I personally think he's a fraud. And some people around these areas where I'm from will be like, oh, how can you say that? He's a Temple guy. Like, okay. I went to Temple University. I graduated from Temple University. I don't have to like Matt Rule. You know, again, for those of you that don't know, Matt Rule used to be the head coach of Temple before he went on to be the head coach of the Baylor Bears. I just think he's a fraud. I don't think there's anything special to him. Uh, You know, the reports are that Rule wants to run the ball 30 times a game. I mean, we thought that the New England Patriots were running the Navy offense. Apparently, Matt Rule wants to do that every game. Um, So, you know, they promote from within Jeff Nixon, who takes over now as the offensive coordinator. Uh, He was the co-offensive coordinator and running backs coach under Matt Rule at Baylor and then followed him to the Carolina Panthers. So... This, to me, has shades of Chip Kelly, Matt Rule. You know, he's just bringing over his guys that he's familiar with. His defensive coordinator, you know, followed him to Temple, then followed him to Baylor, and now he's in Carolina. And then he brings along his offensive coordinator from Baylor. It's a, it's a control thing. It's control issues. I, it's reeks of Chip Kelly. I mean, we went through the whole Chip Kelly thing here in Philadelphia where he just drafted guys from Oregon and brought in his guys and did his health regime and doesn't really listen to anybody else. So to me, it seems like Matt Rule has these control issues. Uh, You know, I don't think he's going to last long in the NFL. I think they give him one more season, one more season to do it next year. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know what else to say about Carolina. They, They are delusional as well. Every time somebody got hurt on their defense whether it was the cornerback, whatever, they would sign guys that weren't, you know, quote unquote premier guys, but they were still good enough where you're giving up draft capital and whatnot because they thought they were actually contenders. They're delusional. And everybody got hype on Sam Darnold early on in the season. Oh, it was Adam Gase. It was Adam Gase's fault. What? 
Sam Darnold is not good. I don't know how many times I have to say it. I, you know, everybody was on Sam Darnold weeks one through three. Everyone. I came on this pod and pounded the table and said he still stinks. He still stinks. And I have a bunch of bookmarks in my Twitter feed that I can't wait to go back and ask them how Sam Darnold has done. Where is Sam Darnold now? Oh, he was benched for an XFL quarterback, PJ Walker. XFL. PJ Walker. He was benched, and then the team had to go back and sign Cam Newton, who has a busted shoulder and definitely cannot play in the NFL anymore. Cannot play in the NFL anymore. It's pathetic. It is so pathetic. The Panthers are a mess. Uh, but the but my whole point of bringing this up was the fact that they want to run the ball 30 times a game. That's the real reason I'm bringing this up. The Panthers want to run the ball 30 times a game, and there might just be a running back out there for you to still pick up. I know the waiver wire was last night in most leagues, but this guy, I'm pretty sure he's still floating around in your league, and you should go out and add him immediately. We all know that Christian McCaffrey is out for the season, and he can go screw himself I will never draft Christian McCaffrey ever again. I don't care if it's round five. I'm not taking him. And everybody knows that the rookie running back from Oklahoma State, Chuba Hubbard, has been filling in. But honestly, this guy has been a massive disappointment in the starting spot. He has been. Again, in the league that I'm in last place because I drafted Christian McCaffrey, I was able to get Chuba Hubbard, and I start him all the time. And he's just not anywhere close to as productive as what Christian McCaffrey is. Which is crazy because last year when the team used Mike Davis in that spot, Mike Davis was still producing. So I don't know what's going on with Chuba Hubbard, but the running back that I'm talking about that might still be out there that we might see a lot more production from is Amir Abdullah. I know this guy's been a pain in the ass in the past, but there are some reports that he might get a larger workload. So if that happens, somebody that's as quick and shifty as somebody like Amir Abdullah might be super valuable going down the stretch. Again, it's worth a stash. You can never have too many running backs. You're not going to start him this week, especially if you need to get into the playoffs. If you are sitting down there in the seventh, eighth spot right now and you need to jump up into that sixth seed, you're not going to start Amir Abdullah. But what you do want to do is cut somebody that is dragging your team Cut the fat off the bottom of your team and stash this guy. It's the same concept as what we were doing earlier when we heard Antonio Gibson had a broken shin. We stashed Jared Patterson. Same concept of when Joe Mixon went down. We stashed Chris Evans. Now, those two two guys didn't pan out, but you want to do that concept. It's, it's stashing these guys just in case because you don't want to have to fight for them on the waiver wire, especially if your fab is low. You don't want to have to go against somebody that has literally spent only $2 of their fab and still has $98 sitting around and can go all in against you. Get the guys before the waiver wire. Be ready. Be prepared. And just to wrap all of this up, some other ads for your fantasy squads that you might want to consider as we head into that playoff stretch. Any Tennessee Titan running back. The Titans had cut Adrian Peterson, and now we're in a mishmash of Dontrell Hilliard, Jeremy McNichols, Deontay Foreman, and now newly acquired, just as of today, running back Jordan Wilkins, the ex-Colts running back, was just signed. And, you know, honestly, out of all these other backs, he's been the most solid back from the from the Colts in the past, at least. I think he's the most interesting here. I think he's averaged close to, like, five yards a carry. 
I don't know if how involved he'll be right away, but again, he's a good stash. Let's just see where it goes. I think as of this week, Dontrell Hilliard is the guy. Jeremy McNichols is back for more of that pass catching back type of player, but Dontrell Hilliard seems to be the guy that's in the lead right now. But again, I would like to see Jordan Wilkins get a few touches and see what he can do. I think he's probably the best complete running back of that bunch. So Jordan Wilkins is a good one to go out and stash. Um, I know a lot of teams out there had got completely fed up with uh, Titans wide receiver Julio Jones, the vet. Everybody knows who Julio Jones is. If anyone dropped him earlier, he has a favorable, very, very favorable matchup down the stretch here. He plays the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Pittsburgh Steelers, San Francisco 49ers, and the Miami Dolphins secondaries. Could be a real league winner here if you could go out and pick Julio Jones up as a free agent. A.J. Brown is still out, especially for this week. So, you know, Julio's a big, a big, big grab if he's floating around out there. Another running back to grab is New England Patriots running back Ramadre Stevenson. And that might seem obvious, but he's still available in 41% of Yahoo leagues. Damian Harris is still the guy there. But Damian Harris just got nicked up in this last game we saw. I don't know the severity of it. It's probably not that bad. But Ramondre Stevenson did a damn good job filling out there. He looks quick on his feet. Got good lateral movement. Powerful back. I'd be willing to bet that coming out of this bye week, it will be more of a split carry between Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. And we might even see Ramondre Stevenson get a little more carries as they preserve Damian Harris going into the real-life playoffs. So go get Ramondre Stevenson and don't be afraid to start him again. We need running backs, if you're, especially if you're that Jonathan Taylor owner. Ramondre Stevenson might be that perfect running back where if we get into the championship game and we're just not feeling Jonathan Taylor against that run defense, Ramondre Stevenson might be that back that saves your team and wins you that championship. So go get him if he's available. Quarterback streamer, if you need this week, Taysom Hill. I know he threw four interceptions last Thursday against Dallas, but he still has value because of his legs. He's a runner. And he, he just does it all. He's a Swiss Army knife for that team. So he's a good person to have there at the quarterback for streaming. And the Kansas City Chiefs, the defense. My God, that defense is back. And I know we don't ever talk about defense, uh, fantasy defenses on this podcast. But I wanted to bring this up because if you've been streaming defenses all season long like a normal person, or even if you have a solid defense like the New England Patriots, the Arizona Cardinals, Buffalo Bills, Yada, yada, whatever. The Kansas City Chiefs, if you just sort it by fantasy points, are going to be at the bottom because of how bad they were during the season. So it doesn't look good on paper. But as of late, I would say probably since week nine against the Green Bay Packers, the Kansas City Chiefs defense has been a legit defense. And if they're still floating around out there, I would pick them up as soon as you can as well. They get the Las Vegas Raiders in week 14, the Chargers in week 15, and then for the championship weeks in 16, 17, they get the sloppy Pittsburgh Steelers with old ass Ben Roethlisberger back there. And then the Cincinnati Bengals who I, Joe Burrow's finger hand, whatever it is, doesn't look good, but those are two teams. I think the Kansas city chiefs can definitely uh, button up there. We just saw them dominate against the Denver Broncos. Uh, they held their own against the Green Bay Packers, and they also put up a lot of points for fantasy against the Dallas Cowboys, who we all know that that offense is uh, high-powered as well. So if the Kansas City Chiefs defense is out there, go ahead and pick them up as well. Don't be afraid to start them. 
All right. Well, that about does it for the fantasy football talk. And that about wraps up the show for today. Again, I hope all the loyal fantasy NFL today followers have already clinched those playoff spots or are on the verge of getting into that dance. Because if you make the dance, you have a chance. Doesn't matter how. If you get in, you can win. Even if you think your team is a complete and utter mess, I've seen it happen time and time again. So don't give up. Keep fighting. Feel free to drop me any of your questions on Twitter at my Talking Sunday handle. I'd love to help you get over that hump for your final playoff push. Or if you're looking to just stack up for that championship run, maybe you got the first round by already. And if that's the case, again, you should be looking for the best possible matchups for week 16 and 17. Any comments, questions, concern, hit me up at my Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word on Twitter. And I will talk to you guys on Friday.